0: This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast for November 12th, 2020, AEW Dynamite Review Edition. This is All Pro Wrestling and Only Pro Wrestling, and this is the one podcast you need for all of your news, rumors, recaps, reviews, rankings, and anything else that's pro wrestling. Tonight we're going to pepper a little bit of news in with some Dynamite reviews. We're going to get kicked off right now. Starting off with Taz coming out, promoing on the new TNT champ who's sitting in the crowd, Darby Allen. This previews a Brian Cage Matt Seidel match. Uh, Taz puts over Matt Seidel beforehand, and then Brian Cage demolishes Matt Seidel. Next, we have a Cody Rhodes promo. Cody says that he won't ask for a rematch from Darby Allen and instead he challenges MJF, and then everything gets a little confusing. So let's break this down as best we can. For those of you that don't follow randoms on Instagram, there is a girl out there named Jade Cargill. She's in shape. She's an Instagram celebrity. That is her only claim to fame. I had never heard of her until I had to look for her last night because I saw her cutting a promo with Cody Rhodes. And she cuts a promo with Cody and on Cody, and I couldn't tell for a moment if she was trying to have sex with Cody. Or if she wanted to punch him in the face, maybe a little of both. Cody looks scared and maybe a little aroused. And this ends with her telling Cody that Shaquille O'Neal wants to fight him. And that gets a pop. Then Brandy Rhodes comes out and becomes very ghetto. Uh, there's been a mixed reaction online to this entire promo, and I can understand why uh, from start start to finish, really. But Brandy came out and cut a promo on this woman for messing with her man, and I'll just leave it at that. I, I suggest, if you haven't seen this segment, you start with Cody and work your way all the way through the commercial break, because it's interesting. Uh, I'd like to see Shaquille O'Neal in AEW. I think that that would be pretty cool. Moving on uh, to some news, Cody was recently allowed to use the Rhodes name again. There are conflicting reports online from people who are probably just speculating as to whether Cody won some kind of legal dispute or if the WWF dropped its claim. And if the WWF dropped its claim to the rights to the Rhodes name, which they've had for a long, long time, Cody hasn't been able to legally use the name Cody Rhodes, his kayfabe gimmick name since 2016, I believe, because he terminated his contract with the WWE, and they own the name Rhodes. For some reason, the WWE is no longer filing a claim on it, and it may be that they reached a settlement with Cody. There's been a lot of gray area lately, with programs like Bash at the Beach, and uh, a lot of old WCW intellectual property that's making its way over to AEW. And AEW kind of has an open-door policy with every other wrestling promotion. We're going to talk about that in a future podcast, about AEW's willingness to partner with pretty much every other wrestling company, and whether that's a strategy against Vince McMahon, or whether they would share that strategy with Vince McMahon. In this case, one way or another, Cody Rhodes got some intellectual property back from the WWE, which they're not always willing to release, especially when somebody leaves them and is competing directly against them. So, uh, this was probably a case where they traded, a little quid pro quo, but if not, score one for Cody. I know it was an important, prideful victory for Cody and the Rhodes family, uh, so if it makes Cody happy, that's fine with me. Speaking of the Rhodes family, there was a bunkhouse match coming up, and I don't think anybody knew what a bunkhouse match was, except maybe JR and Gold Dustin. This bunkhouse match included Gold Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. The guy who used to do the landscape for the Rhodes family. I have no idea where QT Marshall came from. But I'm going to put him over in a minute. So before you get all upset with me for giving the guy a hard time, uh, yeah, I'm going to put him over. Listen to the boos. Listen to the crowd. They hate that. They hate it when I pick on the everyman who was working at Valvoline Instant Oil Change last week, and now he gets to get 26 minutes on primetime television on TNT. I know. Listen to him They're outraged. Anyway, bunkhouse match. What that basically means is it's an excuse for a couple of guys to bleed on each other. That's right, whole lot of blood. QT Marshall began bleeding on the entrance ramp. I think uh, the Blade began bleeding soon thereafter. I have been. I'm going to take a sidebar here. The Bunny, of course, accompanied uh, the Butcher and the Blade to the ring for this bunkhouse tag team match. I've been watching Bunny probably for five years. I I don't know when she showed up in Impact and could barely talk into a mic and could do even less wrestling. Uh, She was running around, I believe, with Laurel Van Ness and Maria Kanellis. And Laurel Van Ness is a great story if you don't know that one. I'm sure we'll talk about her at some point in the future. But this was a great time in Impact Wrestling. And I really thought that Allie was kind of holding down the knockouts division because she was nothing but a pretty face and a tongue ring. But Allie got better. And by, by better, I mean Allie got passable. They ended up putting her with Rosemary in 2018. And it, it was the bunny and the demon. They had this gimmick, and it was great. And people loved it, and they were selling calendars on the internet, and it was awesome. And then AEW happened. Allie's really cute. And it makes sense that a promotion with primetime TV is going to want to collect faces like Allie. The problem is, Allie was not a top female wrestler. She was just a face, and her character was enhanced by Rosemary. Without Rosemary to play off of, that Allie character changing her hair color wouldn't have meant anything to anybody, except that Allie couldn't figure out what her personality was supposed to be. I highly recommend anybody that likes AEW, go back and watch this stuff. Get the Impact Plus app. Impact had great stuff going on in the 2000 teens. Broken Matt Hardy, uh, the uh, Abyss, and uh, Rosemary, and Crazy Steve, and their faction, Decay, a lot of good stuff happened. Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles on his way out, EC3, all good stuff. But Allie was not a top in-ring performer that AEW was going to be able to base the women's division around. And when you put Brandi Rhodes with Allie... You have two women that don't know how to wrestle in a tag team based on the fact that they look really good standing next to each other. And let me tell you something, I loved the Nightmare Sisters. I was excited every time they came out on AEW. I did not expect great matches. They were hard to watch sometimes when the two of them were in the ring together. So I wondered where Allie went when all of a sudden Brandy was coming out with red velvet. It turns out Brandy didn't think that it was a good fit. The fans didn't take to it. I love Brandy Rhodes. She's one of my favorite females in wrestling. I think she's great for AEW. But she's so insecure about her place in pro wrestling that she changes characters and changes gimmicks like outfits. And whether it's Awesome Kong cutting off people's hair or running around with Allie in a tag team, that's probably the worst female wrestlers in the history of named gimmicked tag teams. They give these girls a name. They make a t-shirt. They're terrible at wrestling. You have to have... A girl who's learning with a veteran or at least a skilled athlete who can help teach her and hide her flaws you can't stick two of them out there together everybody that they work with probably knew this and this seems like an example of no one wants to cross the boss so you quickly reposition Ali back in and you create this convoluted story where she was only with QT as a work and she was there to steal his credit cards which is very 1980s WWF, if you ask me. But this bunkhouse match, totally not 1980s WWF. This was like 1970s and 80s NWA, where guys catch hepatitis because they bleed all each, over each other, and the parking lot, and the fans. It, this thing needed to be in an empty arena. There was so much blood. It was crazy. This was did not look like something in 2020, um, and it was good i really enjoyed it and speaking of qt marshall he climbed to the top of what was probably a 15 foot ladder and did himself a jeff hardy elbow drop uh looked like the macho man it really was good Okay, back to the bunny. The bunny looked really good in this match, and by looked, I mean she looked like a pro wrestling valet. She took a pair of surgical scissors and dug them into QT Marshall's head, and I mean, I didn't think it was real. I didn't think it could possibly be real because nobody's going to dig a pair of scissors into somebody's forehead the way she did, but I guess they told her, you gotta lay it in, and she laid it in, and it was real. If it wasn't real, then he drew color himself, but it was ugly, and from that point on, It was a contest to see who could bleed more between the Blade and QT Marshall. In the end, QT Marshall hits a couple of uh, stunner cutters. I don't know what he considers that, whether it's a diamond cutter or a stunner. JR said, looks like a stunner. It, It really did. But they won, and it was nice to see the Nightmare family get over. I didn't expect that. Next, we have the Inner Circles initiation ceremony. It was what it was. Next match, Sean Spears versus Scorpio Sky for a top five ranking. Great match. Sean Spears wins. I'm excited to see Sean Spears get a title push. I think that eventually we're going to get a recreation of the Four Horsemen, which Conrad Thompson currently owns Trademark on. We will get into that at some point in the future. But Conrad Thompson, big fan and friend of AEW, Cody Rhodes, the whole gang. They share attorneys. I got a feeling it's going to be a situation where everybody's going to make some money and uh, probably including Pop Pop Ric Flair, you know, if you really want to get down to it. But that is a topic for another day. I, I'm excited to see Tully Blanchard, though, with a single star on a push towards a world title. If you're ever going to have a horseman team, somebody has to do that, And although I think it should be Chris Jericho in that role until he retires with a mid-card level guy to hold a mid-card title and a tag team like FTR. We'll talk about a recreation of a Four Horsemen style group at some point. That would be a great segment topic. Don't want to get sidetracked here about it. Love seeing Sean Spears, the chairman, wearing this 1980s glove that you can wait down and knock people out with. He had to cheat and wait his glove down to beat Scorpio Sky and good guy versus bad guy. That's what everybody wanted to see, so that's cool. Next, we have Ty Conti with Anna J versus Red Velvet with Brandy. And since Brandy had been out earlier, uh, confronting Shaquille O'Neal's girlfriend or manager, uh, Brandy was not in the mood to run through all of the Red Velvet gimmick, and it showed. It was interesting. Good dynamic here. Ty Conti is something else. Beautiful, Brazilian, thick from the waist down, wearing a blue lingerie gimmick with stockings, They tell us that she's an MMA practitioner up here to learn pro wrestling, has only been doing it a couple of years. I mean, sexy as hell and pretty good in the ring. And there was some interesting stuff that I've never seen before. Honestly, combinations. They were using three and four move combinations that looked a little choppy, but gosh, They were complicated, and these two women are relatively inexperienced. And this is stuff that, you know, veterans would have trouble doing some of this. You should check this match out. Good match, of course, like any other AEW match, a ton of false finishes. Very good match. I enjoyed it a lot. Worth watching. If you're only going to watch a few matches on the program, watch this one. This was a good one. Very ambitious. I enjoyed it. Tyconte wins, by the way. Next, we have an inner circle promo. Again, MJF versus Sammy Guevara. They're going to have heat. MJF's taking everybody to Las Vegas next week, so look forward to that. That's happening. Also next week. Next up, we got a promo backstage between the AEW Tag Team Champions and Alex Marvez. We got Fat Jackson and Matt Jackson, the Bucks of Youth. Calling out Top Flight. Yeah, for those of you that are unfamiliar, Top Flight fought at AEW Dark last week and they actually won. They're one and one, they're a young team, acrobatic, high flyers. I predicted we'd see him sometime soon, and and now the Young Bucks are giving him their big break next week on AEW Dynamite. That ought to be cool. Time for our main event of the evening. In the main event, we got Penta versus his brother Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers, fighting each other. I was excited to see this again. Yeah, for the second week in a row, we're watching the best tag team in the world fight each other, and I hear it's a rumor on the grapevine. I only report you legitimate rumors here on the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast. I hear that in three weeks, they've already arranged to install a camera in the Lucha Brothers' Aunt Griselda's house down in Mexico. And in three weeks, we're going to see the Lucha Brothers painting their Aunt Griselda's living room. It's going to be exciting. And you know what I really hope to see when they're done painting their Aunt Griselda's living room? Uh, I hope to see sometime the Lucha Brothers fight a tag team and win the tag team titles. It's interesting. I don't know how good they are at painting houses. What I do know is they're the best tag team in the world at professional wrestling. They're really good at that, and I'd love to see them be the tag team with the tag team titles instead of these pretend tag teams like Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, where we're going to give the rub to Hangman Page for nine months or FTR, who we decided was the best tag team in the world without ever having any evidence, and now we have to give them belts to justify our opinion, or the Young Bucks, who have been the most overrated tag team in the history of pro wrestling. I'll give the Young Bucks credit. They stepped aside for the first 15 or 16 months of this company to try to build talent and create storylines for themselves. I, I think that's great. It's not their fault that the Lucha Brothers have been overlooked, except, you know, they're executive vice presidents of the company and founders of the company. So I don't know whose fault it is. I'm told Tony Khan books everything himself, and, and that's fine. He, he's got a great company. I love watching AEW. The Lucha Brothers are the best tag team in the world. And when they're done fighting each other, and when they're done being the fourth and fifth members of a makeshift stable, and when they're done painting Aunt Griselda's living room, I hope we get to see them compete for and win the tag team titles. And when that happens, I hope they get to hold them for a really long time. Match ends when Penta pins his brother, Eddie Kingston, comes out and tries to drive a wedge between them for some reason, which makes no sense to me. They're playing Eddie almost as if he's going crazy now after losing at the pay-per-view to Moxley. But in the midst of this uh, promo, where he kind of kicks Ray Phoenix out of the ring and tells Penta about how great he is, uh, the bastard Pac returns from a long absence due to COVID-19. I guess he finally was able to cross the pond and come back to Jacksonville. I'm excited to see him. I was finally enjoying that character and then he disappeared when the world ended, but it's good to see him back. One more big name that we can put in mid-card and make his way up to the main event just makes AEW a little more interesting, I'm supporting the Bastard Pox return. And that ends our program tonight. Over the weekend, make sure to tune in. We're going to have SmackDown Review coming up on Saturday. We're also going to have the Impact Turning Point Pay-Per-View Review coming up on Sunday. We're going to have an intro to this podcast special segment. It's going to go live at some point in the next week, explaining why you want to listen to this podcast and not another one. And at some point in the near future, we're going to do a podcast for intro to pro wrestling. So you can introduce pro wrestling and all of our catchphrases and vernacular and everything that makes us crazy to somebody else in your life who is still a little bit sane. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe where you can. This has been the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast.